Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Jets fans, want $50 off your next round of drinks? Try Tap RM. They deliver the drinks right to your door so you can skip the lines and trips to the liquor store. Discover new and exclusive drinks or shop for your favorites. Don't worry, they've got all the options for you. Order your first round at taprm.com and get $50 off your first order using promo code JETS50. $50 off $100 of beer, not a bad deal. I would highly recommend it. I've done it. Connor's done it. Joe's got it. So Make sure you go to taprm.com, use promo code JETS50, skip the lines, and get $50 off your first $100 worth of beer. $100 in beer for $50, can't beat that. Now let's get into the pod. Setting up, looking downfield, he's going to heave a bomb for Corey Davis at the goal line, into the end zone, he's got it! That's a Jet touchdown! Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at Will Pollard on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Coming up in a little bit, former Jets All-Pro, uh, Kerry Rhodes will be joining me on the show to talk a little bit of you know, this, uh, this Jets rebuild, playing for a defensive head coach, um, young roster, the whole nine. He answers the question, who is better, him or Jamal Adams, which got some traction on Twitter last week. But first, have to get into the big news. The Jets beat the Cincinnati Bengals 34-31. And, uh, you know, yesterday will be known as the Mike White game. It was something truly special to be at. Um, I don't think anybody in their right mind saw that coming. You know, it's we joke. I joked with some of my buddies and, uh, you know, people around the league. Oh, they, you know, what if the Jets win today? What if Mike White balls out, um, you know, at 14, 10, seven point underdogs, whatever they ended up being? Uh, how crazy would that be? And the Jets did, um, you know, started uh, started out hot early in the game. Um, you know, went down 10 plays, 75 yard drive. I was like, OK, all right. Let, you know, let that that looks good. Um, you know, get a stop early and then. They drive it again. They get the tip pick and, you know, Elijah Moore hawks down, <clears throat> hawks down the DB. And you're like, all right, you know, this is, this is going to end. Um, just get a goal line stand. And you're like, all right, maybe they, you know, and all of a sudden they throw the two picks and you're just thinking, all right, man, you know, this has been really fun. Mike White looks good early. And I guess I had a ball at the turf and first 14 throws, the whole nine yards. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, this will end. The Jets will be they were competitive. The first quarter was interesting. Um, you know, Mike White's a decent enough backup uh, to score some points in the NFL against fifth-ranked DVOA coming into the game football. The number one team in the AFC, Burrow, Jamar Chase, all these guys. And 
the Jets, you know, showed a ton of fight. They got the circus catch from Keelan Cole, which I still think is a catch. I, the rule is just so confusing. Um, they go into half 17, 14, and you're still like, all right, there's a chance here. Um, again, 31, 20, and the same thought process of just like, you know, some young guys have played really well. Mike White has the neck injury, comes back in. Josh Johnson almost throws a touchdown. Um, the whole nine yards happens, 31-20, and all of a sudden, touchdown, Ty Johnson, incredible footwork on the sideline there to, to stay in bounds. They get the interception from Shaq Lawson. They score. They get to go for two. You're like, this is nuts. Like, I don't even know what's going on right now. The people are delirious in the stands. You, all of a sudden, the Jets have now beaten, um, you know, at the time, the 2-1 and one Titans, who are now the number one team in the AFC, um, you know, going into week nine. And they've beaten the Cincinnati Bengals who were the number one seed last week. And um, it, it's just, it's what a fun day. Um, I'm not sure what else, you know, there really is to say about it. I'll get into Mike White, you know, here obviously shortly, but you know, overall from a performance, that's what you want to see out of this coaching staff, right? Um, responded an embarrassing moment last week. I mean, there's no, no way around it. They get blown, the door is blown off. Salah gets embarrassed out coach the floor, the whole nine yards. Um, it kind of felt like a necessary blowout. And I know people don't want to hear that, but, it felt like the Jets, Jets staff almost needed that to happen to kind of, you know, hit the reset button a little. And, and sometimes, you know, it, when, when that happens, you, you're kind of forced to go back to the drawing board, go back to, you know, day one, right, where it feels like they, they're like, something's got to change. You know, you come out of the bye week, the team felt really prepared. It felt like, you know, they were ready to go, and they weren't. They, they got crushed in New England. Zach's hurt the whole nine yards. And um, all of a sudden, I, it's just – they, they come out they come out firing, right? The defense, you know, Michael Fuller up in the booth, the defense firing all similar. had their moments where they struggled. But overall, I thought the coaching staff had a really good day yesterday. Um, do I like solid kicking field goals when he doesn't trust his kicker and that whole situation? No. Um, but overall, again, I, I, there's not there's not much else you could say other than Floor going up in the booth. Zach sat with him, as I reported yesterday. Um, up in the booth, which is which is super. I think it's really good for the Jets. Um, they have a, they have a good problem on their hands, not a bad one. Um, you know, kind of bouncing around a little bit here. Let's get into a little bit of Mike White, and then we'll kind of recap uh, the rest of the, the Cincinnati game and move into previewing Indy before KRO tops on. Mike White, some just incredible, just an incredible performance. Um, I, you know, we make fun of sometimes they poke fun at Mac Jones about dinking and dunking, and Mike White certainly did his fair share of dinking and dunking yesterday, um, but. 405 yards, three touchdowns. The two picks weren't even his fault. Um, probably could have put up bigger numbers, frankly. Catches a two-point conversion. Going against a really good defense, who I'm not really sure what the Bengals' game plan was. They kept giving the Jets so much room underneath, and they didn't prove that they could to push the ball downfield. So that, that felt weird. But, man, Mike White, first Jets quarterback, 400 yards since Vinny Testaverde in 2000. I was at that game. That game was not enjoyable to be at. This one was far more enjoyable to be at. Um, you know, first, first or second most passing yards of uh, any guy in his first career start um, next to Cam Newton ever. Um, 84% completion percentage, like highest of anybody with this, that many pass attempts. I mean, there's just the, the list goes on and on. I mean, it, it was something truly special of, you know, 24, 28 on short throws, 263 and two touchdowns. Then you go, there's a 10 yards or more, seven of eight for 94 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, average time to throw, you know, he got the ball quick under two seconds, um, nine, you know, nine yards per attempt. I mean, just truly a special, special performance. Was able to spread the ball all around, take what was given to him. Um, you know, didn't try to do too much. 
And, and I thought that's something that you, you saw with the way the Jets offense is meant to be run um, a little bit. And it's not even a slight at Zach. I think it's actually something that's really exciting, knowing that when Zach, with all the talent he has and his ability to do even more than Mike White does, um, when he comes back, that he can, if he can do the little things right, um, you see what kind of explosion, you know, the Jets were missing Corey Davis, Mekhi Becton, and Zach Wilson, probably the three most important offensive players, you know, what you would think going into the year. And they scored 34 points on the fifth ranked DVOA defense in the NFL. I mean, it, that's truly, it was truly awesome to watch. And um, again, I, you can't say enough about Mike White and the toughness. He hung in the pocket at all times, was smart. His feet were always, you know, set and ready to go. Took what was given to him, was able to put some velocity and, and touch on some passes. Um, you know, again, good, good eyes on the on the stick nod touchdown at the end of the game. Philly special, Secaucus special, as Dalvin Osorio would, you know, refer to it as. It was all really special stuff. And um, again, I just, you can't give Mike White enough credit to come in. Nobody thought, I don't, you know, I don't care how optimistic you are, or how, how much you know football. No one was thinking Mike White's going to throw 405 yards. Again, first time in 20 years, a Jets quarterback zone for 400 yards. Um, again, the 84% completion percentage too. It's, you know, it's not as if he was, uh, you know, he was being wildly inaccurate with the ball and you know, getting lucky. The Jets won that game. Um, you know, Tennessee felt like they had a really good second half and it was really exciting to watch Zach make some of those big off script plays, but they almost threw that game away like three or four times. Uh, this game was not that case. The Jets came back, won this game. They took it to the Bengals. They deserve to win this football game. And, um, you know, really exciting performances. Again, Ty Johnson looked really good, especially out of the past game. Michael Carter. I mean, what a performance, man. Nine, nine catches, I believe like 172 yards and a touchdown running really tough. Uh, seals the game it just those are the things you love to see um, obviously the interception off his helmet was uh was a little was tough but other than that looked really really good he had another drop actually as well but other than that looked really really good um, you know it was a great day for the last two draft classes you know overall men man has played the most for snaps of any receiver um, you know unfortunate to drop that touchdown man because I, I felt like he had a really really nice performance overall and, and looked good um, hit him on a slant route once hit him on a, on a crossing route and out of play action to start the game and that's the stuff you like to see Elijah Moore finally had. I felt like his best game as a pro from a production standpoint, touches standpoint. Um, you know, that, that was really good to see Barrios, Keelan Cole contributing. It was just, it was really good stuff, man. It, you know, overall, and ABT looked really good. Um, Chumadoga held up fine. You know, it wasn't great, but held up fine and uh, against a good defense in, in Cincinnati. So um, overall, again, special what Mike White did. I think we need to continue to highlight that. It was really, really special. And it's something that, um, you know, needs to be talked about more and more as the week goes on. And like, it, it's to go throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns at that high of a completion percentage clip for a team that's been anemic on offense virtually all year as a backup, your first start. I mean, practice squad guy the last couple of years, fifth round pick out of Western Kentucky, productive, put up a lot of stats, but fifth round pick. It's just, that's, it's great, man. You watched him, the energy he had, the way he connected with the fan base. I thought that was something really special. And, um, you know, I'd like to see, obviously, you'd like to see this have, continue on Thursday night. And, you know, we can, we'll get into the Zach Wilson and, and Mike White stuff in a second. But, again, really good performances from this Jets offense specifically. Mike LaFleur going up in the booth. Um, the plays have been there, and I think we need to highlight that overall. The plays have been there, right? So I, I don't want to see that, oh, they called it game plan differently. Or, you know, the Jets were able to stay on the field. They had 36 minutes of time possession versus, um, you know, 36 and a half minutes versus the Bengals, 22 and a half or 23 and a half minutes. And, that's something we have not seen from the Jets all year. And, you know, long, elongated drives, you know, taking it to defense gives them staying on the field, keeping that defense off the field. Um, 
you know, the Jets won a football game against the, the number one team in the AFC with three turnovers. That, that's pretty impressive. And um, again, like the playbook was able to open. Yes, there's some trick plays and that was really exciting. But overall, this is what the Jets offense should look like. And it will look like when Zach Wilson comes back. So um, let's just, as a fan base, as people who cover the team in X, Y, and Z, take this as a, as a positive. Um, be excited about what we saw on Sunday. It was truly special. And um, you know, there's no need to turn it into uh, did LaFleur call the game play? No, he didn't call it differently. He just, they act, the team is overall executed. They caught the ball. Um, Mike, Mike White took what was given to him and he had shots downfield. He took the easier option, which is okay. Um, again, average depth target of four yards is, is not great. Um, it's not a long-term solution, but, um, like the Colts pass defense is really bad against short throws. So, um, they'll have another chance, you know, here on Thursday night, but, um, we'll get to defense in a moment and then, you know, preview and need before, you know, hopping into Kerry's interview. But man, I, again, it was, it was cool to be there yesterday. It was, it was, a, it was a really exciting experience and um, seeing the way the Jets were able to both call an effective game plan, run the ball well, throw the ball well, um, big plays to their young players. That that's all the stuff you want to see. And whether the Jets won or lost yesterday, obviously it's fantastic. They won that football game, but they, even if they didn't win, knowing that you came away from that going, I'm impressed with a lot of these young football players who will be on this roster going forward. And it wasn't the, you know, Frank or Joe Flacco game where, you know, they're competitive and it's they win because they're veterans that will never, you know, be here when the Jets are good. No, it wasn't that. It was young guys all over the field making plays. And, you know, that, that kind of leads me into the defense. Bryce Hall, man, I, I, it's been it's been a really good year for him. Um, and, and to hold, obviously, not just him, but to hold Jamar Chase, who's, kind of front runner for rookie of the year and you know guy that was on, on base to me an all pro on the three catches for 32 yards um you know caused joe burrow havoc the defensive line played well bryce hall looked good brandon Eccles looked fine um this was by far their hardest matchup and probably the hardest matchup to have all year outside of maybe tampa um you know you could argue buffalo but i actually think you know since these actual weapons are better um the defensive line looked good quinn had a big sack um CJ Mosley being back, what can you say about the guy? I mean, you leave this Jets game thinking a couple of things. Mike White is at least a serviceable backup um, at minimum. And, you know, that's a huge, huge relief for the Jets. CJ Mosley is their best player and their most irreplaceable player. If this was a, um, you know, baseball podcast and we talked about war, uh, for those who are familiar with it, if you're not, uh, twins above replacement, like how important you are to that team at your position. CJ Mosley could not be more important to this Jets football team emotionally. Um, I know Mike White talked a bit after about how after that first interception comes back to the side of CJ Mosley, first guy to greet him. Yeah, we're fine. We're going to get you the ball back, man. Don't worry about it. We got your back. And like, that's the stuff you need to change the culture here um, to be able to be, make yourself, you know, continue to, to improve each week. Um, again, Sheldon Rankin showed up big time. Mosley, Jared Davis looked fine. Looked like a guy who kind of is who he is. He's, he's a big hitter. He's an emotional leader. And, uh, and coverage is not great, um, which is fine. And, the, and then Jets can balance it out. Mosley looks really good. Again, Jabari Zuniga with a sack and a forced fumble. I don't know what was in the water yesterday, um, but for the Jets to get a get production out of their you know, third-round pick of 2020, I mean, hell, man, that is, that's the biggest one of the day, um, you know, overall. And, again, Michael Carter second, not not his best day, but, again, learning experience there, right? And Javelin Gidry looks fine. And, you know, the list goes on. So overall, big victory for the Jets. They moved to two and five. They get a historic performance out of a quarterback. They score 34 points for the first time in 27 games. Um, and, that, and they get a little bit of momentum. Let's see how they handle it. Considering the way they handled it against Tennessee, 
was not great. Kind of felt like they read the press clippings a little bit. They looked gassed. That was a, a really tiring, emotionally drained game against Tennessee. Um, let's see how they handle this game on a short week. They should get um, – they potentially will get Corey Davis back. Potentially will get Bryce Huff back. Potentially you could get George Stamp back who missed the second half. So if they're able to get those guys back. They're going against an 80 team of three and five. Um, Carson Wentz has looked good most of the year, but still has those just awful turnovers in him. And if you guys have not watched, I would highly suggest going back and watching the last two interceptions slash fumbles that Carson Wentz um, kind of blew the game against the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. They were some of that, the interception that he threw um, down on the goal line to give uh, Tennessee, you know, to tie the game was one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. Um, the Jets have got to force turnovers on Thursday night. They have got to be able to, um, you know, not to hold team, you know, hold the Colts to three instead of seven on multiple drives and, you know, a similar offensive game plan, maybe take a few more shots, but they got to show up in a big way. Um, the spotlight's on them in a positive way. You know, we, we talked going into this four game stretch, could the Jets go two and two here um, between Tennessee, Atlanta, uh, New England, Cincinnati, you know, um, or sorry, I apologize between Atlanta um, New England, Cincinnati, and uh, and Indy. Can they go two and two to take themselves three and five going into the Buffalo game? They have a chance to do that. Um, we did not think we were going to be talking about that. We thought we were going to talk about one and seven going into the Buffalo game. They have a chance to be going three and five um, into into their you know probably the most difficult matchup of the year. Um, you know as guys start to get healthier. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, Indy's going to be a, a difficult matchup um, in some ways. In other ways, the Jets can take advantage. Um, they, they play a ton of man-to-man. They, they give up a ton of short stuff. Um, seventh most in the league. And they've given up like 1,000 yards through seven games on zero to nine yard passing. I think they've given up like nine touchdowns. So there's there's time to be had. The Colts have a turnover in them all day long. Um, the Jets are going to need Mosley, Jared Davis, Quincy Williams to, to fill the gaps in, in the run game and, and kind of beat Jonathan Taylor up a little bit. I know T.Y. Hilton will be out for this game. Um, so, you know, they got to do a good job there. And, you know, it's a, an opportunity to continue to build the culture and change the narrative. So, again, kind of just to wrap here before Kerry hops on, and um, I'll have, you know, articles coming out during the week. Um, we're going to do Twitter spaces. So there's going to be a lot more content coming your guys' way. But great, great. What a great, you know, Sunday. The Jets moved to two and five, but, you know, they've already tied their uh, win total from last year. And it's only, you know, through seven weeks, which is which is always obviously great. Um, great bounce back from, from Sala and Ulbrich and um, LaFleur specifically. I just thought, you know, he was really in his bag yesterday, man. And that, that was cool to see. And, um, you know, now, now it's kind of, uh, now it's put up or shut up, right? You know, they, Last time, again, going to London, you know, you oh, if the Jets could win this game, um, you know, came out flat. Can't happen on Thursday night. Um, getting guys back, getting healthy. They're a young team. 
they should be able to bounce back more than more than a veteran team and um you know that youthful exuberance and you know kind of blind faith and oh we get to play national tv and like people like true national tv and um you know we're going to be the ones the only ones on on thursday night and um there's only three days for the you know the colts the game plan for for mike white and yes there'll be film on them but again it's only one game's worth and um carson wentz and that, and that offense coming off a, a brutal loss to tennessee so um again terry's going to be coming up it's an awesome interview you guys are going to really enjoy terry's great um article coming out you know wednesday and um you know we'll hop on twitter spaces as usual and all that type of good stuff but enjoy the win um fantastic day for the jets fans and um you know We'll, we'll uh we'll have a you know a lot more coverage uh you know after Thursday. Do not forget Shepherd and Knucklehead Thursday eight o'clock, forty eight dollars all you could drink. Uh, myself, Connor, Joe, and the gang will be there. Um, you know some awesome some awesome stuff there. Jets fifty at tapRM.com, fifty dollars off your first hundred dollar purchase. Uh, beer, seltzers, you name it, awesome delivered right to your front door. I mean, the deal doesn't really get better than that. So. Um, appreciate you guys uh, as always subscribe you know follow the whole nine yards great the Mike White show is very much in effect um, you know and we'll and we'll kind of get into the Mike White versus Zach Wilson discussion pending how Thursday goes um, I'm not Zach's the quarterback of the future but you ride the Mike White show until uh, until, cover, until it crashes and burns um, let's hope that you know he puts together another good performance and the Jets get a victory on, on Thursday and then we can have a more serious discussion about you know Zach versus Mike White but um, Zach will be fine. He'll learn the, you know, the little stuff. He'll, he'll learn to take that, you know, initial option. He's going to be, you know, a, a really good football player in this league. And, um, if anything, the Jets have a really competent backup and, uh, you know, potentially could get value out of Mike White in the off season. You know, that's a, that's a win for the Jets. So, um, again, appreciate everyone listening as always. Um, stay tuned for Kerry's interview. This is, you guys are going to really enjoy this, especially people that like, you know, like Jamal Adams, you will enjoy this interview. Um, you know, we'll talk to you. I'll talk to you next week. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPot11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by a very special guest today, former All-Pro Jet Safety, uh, Kerry Rhodes. Kerry, how you doing today? Will, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. 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 It's, uh, it's a little bit of a, you know, Halloween weekend, little, you know, exciting times, football weather we got. I mean, I know your weather's a little nicer out in L.A., but, yep. uh, you know, excited to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I, uh, Anything that has to do with New York and, and my and my old boys with the Jets, I'm usually down. So as long as you guys are nice to me, I'll be okay. Overwhelming support. We'll get into uh, we'll get into that tweet that went pretty viral. Uh, we'll get into it in a little <laughs> bit, but obviously, um, you know, I guess unfortunately, you know, the last uh, last ten years or so, you know, the Jets are in kind of a similar situation right now, off to a bit of a slow start. What are your you guess impressions just from afar of? you know, kind of the Jets overall over the, you know, last couple of years and, you know, what they've got going with some exciting plate pieces, but um, hasn't really gotten clicking yet. Yeah, you guys are in the tough, and I'll say you guys, we we are in a tough situation, man. Uh, they're, like you said, they're drafting some pieces. They have some some guys that can play, obviously, but overall, it's just, it just seems like they're they're lacking top, top end talent. And, and, you know, there's there's moments where you can see the Jets compete. And and even though they got beat really bad last week against New England, they've been in games and had chances to compete and had chances to win. So, you know, you know, Salah's doing a great job of getting those guys ready to to compete. And they're going into the game with a game plan that's usually, I mean, pretty good for what for what they have. And so just got to stick together this time. It's going to be tough. And, you know, fans 
you know, we, we and, and observers and fans uh, of, of the game, we watch it, we get to nitpick and, and say what's not going well. But internally, internally, as long as they stay together and start building and building and understanding Salah even more and more and they, and they get more players, they'll be fine. Uh, I kind of, um, I've had some kind of your former teammates on, some guys that kind of, when, when the Jets, you know, are in a much stronger position, you know, obviously there's been some ups and downs, but a lot of time in playoffs, uh, things of that nature. Obviously, Robert Sala being a first-time head coach and a defensive head coach at that, um, what are maybe some of the, I guess, advantages or disadvantages of having, bringing in, like, a young guy? It kind of gives me a little bit of a Herm Edwards uh, yeah. type, more vibe than maybe a Rex or uh, a Rex or Mangini, but how does that kind of all work out when you bring in that, you know, first-time head coach? Yeah, first-time head coach is tough. I mean, you you get into a position like that to, to be a guy that becomes a head coach because of your track record of whatever position or whatever type of specialty you have as a as a motivator as a coach and I saw you know Salah did a really good job in San Francisco with that defense and had those guys flying around so you see the proof in the pudding right but there's so many different elements to being a head coach I mean obviously there's managing game managing you have to overall see the whole team overall and that takes away from sometimes your expertise as a motivator as a coach as a teacher so I mean it comes with time uh, I think he's going to be really good. I think he has a chance to be good. And I think he he brings a principle, uh, a toughness to the team that, you know, it's it's welcoming. Um, but it's going to take time for a guy like that, man. It, it's 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 a new thing for him. It's a, it's a big deal. It's New York, which, you know, and that sometimes comes with unwarranted or unrealistic expectations. And so you guys got to be – you got to be patient and, and understand that this thing isn't going to be um, – fixed overnight but i i mean i like what i see from him and i think he's a good guy yeah i'm, I'm excited uh, i mean solid has been some this week's been tough i just feel like people come out of the bye it, it you know you get blown out like that and it felt like zach went down and all of a sudden everything kind of fell apart and that i, I feel like that happens on young teams i know um you were part of some young teams in the past yeah i guess yeah. is is there like something about being a young uh, young team like that where you struggle but also at the same time you don't know any better because i feel like Outside of maybe Marcus May, Mosley, that whole defense is like 22, 23, 24 years old. Like, what's the kind of, uh, you know, how's that kind of all work out? Like, you just rely on those veteran leaders or how's that kind of work? Yeah, I think uh, as a young player, you have to own your own shit, right? You got to own own what you're trying to accomplish as a team and as an individual. And, and, me, and a lot of times I think, and it's going to be contradictory to what the beliefs would be, but I think the onus really comes down to, the individual player first because you got to understand who you are understand your weaknesses so if you know those things going into a season a game a particular play and you know that you can use that to your advantage but as a youngster a lot of times you're just thrown in the fire and you don't know what your strengths strengths or weaknesses are yet you may have an idea of what you think they are but you don't know what they actually are until you're in the fire so that's where experience comes in and so you get to play you get to keep diving in and understanding in the throes of it, that it's, there's some things that you can work on to get better at. And so if you have time and you have a coach or you have an organization that gives you the time to go through those adjustments and go through that on the fly and fans that are patient enough to understand or smart enough to know that this is a work in progress, then it can all come together. But a lot of times in places like New York, obviously, like, like I said, you, you have to win and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you should have as, as a fan base, you should have, um, expectations for your team and that's and that's where it comes in as a as a hard line because it's it's a line there 
but there's a hard line where I understand fans and I understand players as well. And so trying to get that medium to that happy medium, understand that it's, it's a process. It's interesting this week. I think actually today there was like a, as usual, six weeks in and they're one in five and like there's already pieces. Oh, you know, this person may get fired. And it's like, dude, they got here six months ago. Um, yeah. it, it takes some time. And I know, um, a few, a few foreign players, uh, I talked about, you know, playing for solid playing, you know, in a young defense like that also, and it just kind of clicks at one point and every, everyone kind of yeah. just all of a sudden figures it out. Um, yeah. that defense, as I mentioned, you know, you played safety, Marcus May is a guy who his future is a bit uncertain, um, in terms of how long he'll be here. I think the Jets should do what they need to, to keep him here. I think it's important to have guys, um, yeah. that are, you know, high level talent, but, and, and CJ Mosley, who frankly, very fun to watch play football, call out defenses and do things. What are your kind of takeaways of those two guys? Those are the guys on that defense that stand out to me is, you know, those that top end talent that you kind of mentioned uh, amongst their young guys. Yeah, yeah. They they remind me of a they remind to be honest, they remind me of a of, of a me and a Vilma as far as you know, having the dynamicism on the back end and that middle level where you can communicate, you can come down, you can make plays and be on the same page. Um May, I think, it, you know, a lot of things, a lot of times with him, it's about staying healthy. Um, when he's on the field, he plays well. And I think he's a really good player. And I think he's smart as well. And CJ, I've, I've known him and I've seen him since his Baltimore days and seen how he played out there. And, you know, it, he's, he's just a go-getter. And he has to stay healthy too. But having two guys on, on that second and third level that can make plays and can be smart and get the other guys in the positions they need to be is key. I think that's a great start. But they also have to get to a point where they're, and I don't know exactly if this is true or not, because I haven't been around enough to know, but I don't know how vocal they are, but there's going to be an onus of them to, you know, put themselves out there and, you know, start to demand a little bit more from the guys around them. And I think that's, that comes with time. That comes with confidence as well. Again, because if you're not available, you can't be talking as much. So all that stuff comes ties hand in hand. Uh, it's interesting. I feel like kind of the vocal leader of, I guess, the, the guy that's come in and been the most vocal all year. Um, obviously, Zach, you know, and we'll get to Zach in a second, just playing with a rookie, but Sheldon Rankins, yeah. who went to Louisville as well. Um, the Jets seem to love Louisville guys, which is awesome. Because <laughs> um, we performed. Yeah, there's been some good ones. I, there's been, I was going through, I think I tweeted this, that I was, I knew Louisville had a good program, but you like think of basketball from Westchester, so Donovan Mitchell, guys like that, you think of basketball, Patino, but like, there's some dudes that played at Louisville, but um, Sheldon Rankin is a guy that's kind of coming in as that vocal leader being in New Orleans has been in a, a yeah. program that's won. And I, I'm hoping his voice continues to um, kind of, you know, come to the, the forefront here. Um, you know, you played with a rookie in Mark Sanchez in 2009. You guys were obviously very successful uh, more yeah. so because of the run game and the defense and Mark figured it out in the playoffs. Um, yeah. I'm a rookie quarterback. Is it a is it a trust thing, especially on the defensive side of the ball? You know, they've been on the field a lot. And is it like, are you trying to just build him up with confidence? Or is it like, is it get to a point you get frustrated and it's like trying to not get to that point? Yeah, human nature, it's hard for you not to get frustrated if you're if if you keep hitting your head against a brick wall over and over again. And so that's just the reality of it. But I think as again, as you get older in the league and you start to understand that, you know, every man has a a a, a place to play on that team, then you kind of realize, I mean, this guy's a rookie. He's, he's going to take his bumps. We're going to invest all our, all our efforts, all our energy in towards doing what we can do and control what we can control, but also give him confidence as well, because 
without every guy on that team doing their job on that specific play, most times in the NFL, the play does not work, right? So if you're depleting a young guy of their energy and, and, and their confidence and you're doing too much of the hazing thing or trying to motivate him in a way that's not healthy, it's not going to work out anyway. So I think the more time and effort you put into doing your job, and worrying about the things you can control, the other stuff will happen because he's a pro and everybody in the organization is a pro. And they know that if somebody's not getting the job done, that guy's gonna be replaced. And so you just stay out, you stay out of those things and you worry about what you can control. I think they've done a good job so far just continuing to talk about how it's actually interesting the defensive guys have been much more vocal about their confidence in Zach and their confidence and kind of this rebuilding phase in the offense. Some of the offensive veterans, um, guys that aren't playing as well, have been um, a little bit more difficult to listen to just because it's uh, offensive linemen who are not playing well and they start kind of blaming the quarterback for holding the ball too long. It's frustrating. Um, yeah, that's what they get in. Yeah, it's, yeah, that was just, I'm like, we can't, that can't happen because that's how you break, that's how a locker room gets kind of coupled up in groups. Um, I was, I don't know, probably, probably 15. 15 years older than me, I guess, around that, you know, around that mark. And I was like a kid going to, you know, training camp, you know, when you were drafted. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So I was trying to find a couple of pictures. I have a picture of me and Jonathan Avila from your guys' rookie mini camp and stuff. It's pretty cool. But <laughs> um, you guys came in with a big group, 2004, 2005, 2006 were big time draft classes, even 2007. I mean, that was probably pretty much the whole core of, you know, 2009, 2008, yes. 2009, 2010. Um, what, what are some of, I guess, you know, the, the best either memories or, um, you know, most exciting part of, you know, being a part of that, like it felt all of a sudden 2006, it clicked, you're an all pro and you, you guys, you know, super young team. And then 2009, obviously that was pretty exciting. So Yeah. It, you know what, it's, it's very interesting because I came in as a rookie, right. And uh, I was a fourth round pick in 05 and, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, but I remember after rookie camp, Herm, Herm sat down because I destroyed rookie camp. I was really, I mean, I was a step above those guys. And it was just, um, and I had a chip on my shoulder as well, um, being drafted fourth. I thought I'd go higher. So just having those things happening. And um, I remember Herm, Herm Edwards told me, he's like, we drafted you to compete to start. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. Like it was just that added little, uh, I guess, nudge towards greatness for me, where it was like, oh, I'm not just here to, be a special team guy or whatever I'm they they see something so after that just that confidence just that little push gave me the the wherewithal to just go after it right and so I remember coming in coming in and you know those teams were loaded but because I remember the year 04 they played well in the playoffs and they lost uh due to a kick or something like that to Pittsburgh right <laughs> and uh so I come in and I'm like man this is a really good team and so I'm not I'm like I can start on this team. And then we obviously we got ravaged by injuries that year. And but I got to be around greatness. I was around Curtis Mark. At that Ravens game, and I remember just being like, that was like the tipping point of like Chad's probably not gonna really play this year. And like it's gonna be a lot of guys start getting hurt quickly. Man, listen, Will, it was terrible because I hadn't lost like that ever. And so I remember uh, <laughs> like I said, all these I'm I'm seeing Chad Pennington, I'm seeing Curtis Martin, I'm seeing Wayne Cabet, I'm seeing Lavernia's Coles. I'm like, we're gonna be good, you know what I mean? And then, boom, Chad gets hurt. Chad gets hurt. Wayne is hurt. Uh, Mawai, Kevin Mawai is hurt. Um, 
I mean, like literally everybody on the team was just going down. I was like, wow, this is how this happens. Huh? So you really don't know. But I was, you know, for me personally, I mean, I made the all rookie team and I played a lot. And I remember just gaining that confidence and that experience that, okay, I can do this really well. But I, I think the, the time that really made me switch from, you know, a really good player to being a, a, a great player in my mind was me and Vilma, our connection. We started to study and we started to break down tendencies of teams. Like, I mean, religiously. And I mean, to the point where like every day, like every week we would pick, we would alternate going over each other's house and like break down film all night and come in and just have that chemistry, me and him, where we could translate that to the guys and that confidence. And after that, man, it's just, I took off personally and he took off personally, but then as a team, we had wins and that's what it's about. I mean, you wanna perform at a high level, but you wanna win. And so that's what we were and we felt good about it. Yeah, it's interesting, you, you, got the, you did play with it. I mean, you obviously had a, in, an incredible career as well. There's just like that, that group, that group between like 2002 and 2007, it's like special for me because I was around it so much. And like, yeah, um, obviously, you know, Jonathan Velmo, a guy like Sean Ellis, like literally the nicest person you're competing with it, but like Sean Ellis is literally the nicest person I've ever met in my life. And like, um, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, you get a guy like Darrell Reeves that comes in, um, yeah. you know, and it was, it was pretty cool. I, I don't know. They put out the highlights the other day and, um, you know, him shutting down Chad a couple of times and, you know, you blew Chad up on a, on a skinny post in, in week 17 is, yeah. um, they'll probably get flagged now, but it was a sick hit at the time. <laughs> um, but you know, them talking about how like 2009 is probably the greatest season that a lot of the guys around him, um, have, you know, ever seen how, how insane was it, you know, being in practice, Mike DeVito was like, we literally as a D line did not have to worry at all about like the back end like it was taken care of like you guys had it clipped i mean that's that secondary even though it wasn't the best year for me individually the only reason that didn't happen was because of a lot of communication and it was a new scheme for me so having to figure that out on my own on the fly but also being you know a leader and you know it, it was just a lot of moving parts there just for me personally but as a back unit and what we could do defensively i mean it, it had to be, it, I mean, minus the sack exchange, but I don't know what their stats were, but like we were dominant. Uh, there weren't, there weren't really any leaks as far as that went defensively. Right. And so it was a fun year. Um, if I, and I always have this, and I know this for a fact, but if we worked it out, myself and the Jets organization going into 2010, we win a Super Bowl in 2010. And I really believe that. And that's not just, me uh, being really confident about myself, but I saw the way they lost in the playoffs and that wouldn't have happened if I was there on the back end in, in certain moments. So I was, uh, so I still used to, I looked at that a couple of times and I felt that way about it. And uh, it's funny you talk about like the progression from 05 to 09 and the players, the Jets drafted really well at that time. Like a lot of the draft picks that they got played and had great careers. I mean, after my year, 06, it was uh, was that the Brad Smith and Leon Washington in, in those Sam years? Sam Mangold. Brad Smith. Brad like, Smith. I mean, everybody. Next year is Revis and David Harris. Like, yeah. that doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, the Brickishaw, Mangold. I mean, like, I mean, like, top. And so so they did do a great job of drafting and putting talent around us, man. It was it was some fun times. Yeah, it's interesting. 
interesting that, that 2019, and I had Mike DeVito on and, and Eric Coleman, who we'll get to in a second, but we had, yeah. we were just talking about, you know, some of the things that kind of between 2009, 2010, like both teams, it felt like it kind of clicked in 09, but, yeah. you know, Chris Jenkins, who was, is yeah. I don't know, one of the most guys that no one talks about is just like a freak athlete, like at that size to be that good, um, yeah. is doesn't make any sense to me, but um, you know, he gets hurt and then they're talking about how like Indy is able to run the ball and that kind of, that kind of hurt you guys in, in that second half because you can't give Peyton a two-way go. And then yeah. 2010, losing you and then Damian Woody tears the Achilles and the end of the season. And it was like, just like little small things that like both those teams could easily win a title. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll get to this now. The tweet that you put out, which I'm not saying I disagree with because I think I do agree, but yeah. um, I guess... If you want, if you had two seconds to sell your case on why you believe guys, I guess, you know, I don't want to, it's not a you versus Jamal or you versus Marcus May or Eric or whatever, but like, why do you believe that you are the best safety since 2000? I guess we'll go since 2004 because that makes yeah, that, that's it, a tweet I mean, list. Yeah, it's not even, it's not even close as far as production goes. I mean, production is production and that sticks out that way. Um, I think it all comes down to how do you utilize, utilize your best players. And so, even with the stats and, and the numbers that I produced, they could have been even more. And I think with Mangini, we did more specific game plan things than just letting certain players roam free and do your thing. We had a structured defense. And so even in that structure, I was able to do what I did where other players, and I'm not going to name anybody names, but you're putting people in specific positions to go do certain things. And so you might make impacts and have certain plays happen where you have flash plays and you stick out, right? And so that's how it happens. But for me, um, being the most versatile out of, I think, all of them, being able to play back and play up and rush and do certain things and play man-to-man coverage, it's not even, not even close on that level. But that's just my, my own personal case. And when I see it, it's just the, the numbers don't lie, the production doesn't lie. And if you look at the tape, the tape don't lie. I mean, that's just what it is. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not saying that I, it wasn't that even necessarily disagreeing. I was just kind of curious because I feel like, um, you know, from a guy like Jamal specifically, I felt like you guys don't even play really the same position. Like, there's just mm-hmm. such a difference and, and he's really good at what he's really good at. And Greg mm-hmm. Williams put him in a really good situation. Um, exactly. he's great yeah. for him and you look at him now and I think he's struggling because he's asked to do things that he's just frankly not very good at. And, uh, right. you know, and now Jets fan, well, and also when you burn the fan base, it, it, you know, people don't feel the same way about you, um, yeah. which I think is fair. Um, you know, fans, you fan, you never want to get on the bad side of fans. I think when the coaching staff and things, people can always kind of have your back. Um, you know, I mentioned I've had Eric on the podcast. We were talking over Twitter about this, but Eric's my guy. That, Eric's yeah, my that guy. 2006 season, I feel like you guys are really, I know he didn't match quite as well, uh, Eric, for, you know, some other different, you know, reasons he kind of mentioned, but um, you guys together kind of feel like you really like were a perfect ten for each other, uh, you know, playing together. Yeah, we we were, and that, that's the thing. So you talk about the versatility of, of of a player like myself and him as well, because he had to be open to it. But I was able to move around, right? And so my all pro year old six, I'm moving around. Like I'm doing what I do. I can do so many different things on different levels. And to be honest, when Eric left that put me in a position where I had to be more of a free safety and, and cover up for everybody. Right. And so instead of being able to be Jamal Adams or whatever, right. And be able to move around and be disguised and lead the league in sacks as I did my second year, like having those opportunities just weren't the same because of the players that we had, right. I had to be more of the free safety. And so 
that comes with being selfless because I could have cried and said these, I should be here moving around doing all these things, but it's for the better of the team. And so that's where I just became more of a free safety at that point. So yeah, losing Eric really, yeah, it, it put me, it put me in a position where I had to do more of his job and play free safety and cover for everybody. So it's, it, it comes with the territory. I guess. Well, I know you're probably not going to answer this, but I'm going to ask you anyways, and then we can get to a couple more fun questions. Obviously yeah. stuff did not, you know, I don't know the specifics of what happened with Rex and the Jets and whatever, obviously that's a lot of stuff, but um, I guess, A, is there anything that like people could know about that? And B, like, is it one of those things you either regret or is it like, there's nothing I could have done about it. The situation is what it is. And like, I kind of live with peace, at peace with it. Yeah, there's nothing to regret. I got peace with it for sure. I think uh, not, I have nothing bad to say about Rex. I don't, I don't really even really revisit that situation often. Um, like I said, the one thing, that I do and I had and I held in high regard as far as if we worked it out is if I was there that one more year where we said we were going to uh like I had a had a dinner meeting with Mike Petton after the season because we all wanted to clear the air and make sure that everything was going in 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 the positive direction and we we're gonna, you know, we had dinner. I was like, I want to be here. They said they wanted me here. And so thought it was thought that was it. Like I thought we were good. And uh I found out I was traded. This is a funny story, actually. I was in LA training because I trained with Tom Brady in the offseason out here in LA um, with Gunner, Gunner Peterson. And so we were training. I left the left, I left the, the training session, go to my place in LA. Um, and I don't have my phone with me. My phone's sitting in the room. <laughs> and uh, I literally found out I was traded on ESPN. So the the, the opening headline of ESPN was was like and I remember this plain as day. It was like the headline said, this jet has flew the coop. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, that looks like me, but I don't know if, uh, if, if that's me. But so I, I go to my room, <laughs> I look at the phone, I'm like, a hundred missed messages and calls, right? Tannenbaum, my agent. I'm like, what's up, Todd? Uh, yeah, Kerry, you've been traded. I'm like, what? <laughs> so like, really? Just said we were integrating this, so. Yes, and so, I mean, things change, and obviously they got they got compensated. They got, I think, a fourth round, and they got two picks for me or something, and so they thought that was enough, and, you know, we moved on, but, yeah, I don't have anything to say about Rex. It's it's fine. I, I, just, I just wanted to ask, because I know it's been no, like okay. that. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that it was kind of this weird, like, no one really understood what was going on from, like, the outside, and I was like, this is pretty weird, like, he just signed an extension 12 months ago, so I'm not sure what's going on here. But um, I guess we'll go through. I've asked some of the guys you played with, too, and, like, I'll ask kind of similar stuff. Best trash talker internally or externally, like with the Jets or, you know, with someone else that you uh, played with or against? Best trash talker. Yeah, I mean, it's not even close. That's Chad Ochocinco, right? That's That would be Chad. So funny. He was like – when he had, he was on the, I'm, he had just the I'm athlete pod. And when he had Revis on, he was like, I tried everything to get you to say one word. He was like, you just wouldn't talk. And he was like, yeah, because I didn't want to give in to you. Like, I'm not giving into it. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, I knew you smoked cigars in the off season. I was going to gas you out. It's just, it's funny. Like everyone just says Ocho. Everyone says Bart Scott, Chris Jenkins. Um, I think everyone else says the same people. I know Tony Richardson is probably before you, but he was like, 
John Randall is the most in-depth oh, like, trash talker of all time. Yeah, that's way, <laughs> that's way before me. But there's you no know, T. Rich is old, but you know, <laughs> he's honestly hilarious. He's like, he's no, like T. yeah, T. walk my dog. T. Rich is my guy. I love T. Rich. Yeah. I guess you know they kind of have a similar situation in 2011 where it's like they didn't run it back, and then you know they lost a lot of veterans in the locker room. Um, I guess in kind of this sense too. Outside of yourself, I kind of feel like I know you're going to go with this one, but who's, I guess, the best player? I mean, the most talented or just like the most accomplished player you, uh, you know, were able to play with? Oh, the most accomplished player, I would say Larry Fitzgerald. But the most talented, I mean, Revis is, Revis is up there. Revis is one of those guys that he's such a technician. So even outside of his, ability to play football it's I think more about how well and how much he stuck to his guns as far as his technique went right so I think a lot of corners get in trouble when they lose their technique and they get caught up in the heat of the battle right but Revis always stayed in his in his wheelhouse in his space and he's really good yeah it's interesting he talked, about, he talked a lot about his like that arm bar that he would get guys with and he kind of locked their arm underneath his arm and like People would just say like, it's impossible. Larry Fitzgerald is a crazy one too, because we talked about Tom Brady. He kind of just mentioned, just like feel like they later play forever. Like it's nuts that like Larry Fitzgerald could play receiver in the NFL until you know almost forty years old, and I don't, <laughs> I'm not really sure how that kind of happened. I guess another one who is a guy that maybe um, you know people aren't necessarily wouldn't give you know they don't have the same name recognition as a Revis or Fitzgerald that. And just people who know and played against them, they were like, this matchup sucked for me, like, no matter what, even though, like, they're not this big name, maybe. Huh. That's a good one. Uh, I just was thinking about it. Huh? Oh, you just thinking about it? I, thinking, uh, I was like, trying to think of guys in my head who you were going to maybe potentially say. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, – oof, that's a good one. I think I played against – it was like the golden era of tight ends when I played. And I don't think I really had any – problems per se with them one-on-one in matchups but I think when I first my first game as a rookie 05 I remember this situation very clearly we went game one I'm a rookie starter we play in Arrowhead and it's loud and it's crazy and this is when they're still the, this is when they're still loaded on offense and fast and Larry Johnson and Priest Holmes and Tony Gonzalez and Dante Dante Hall and like all these Pizza. Trent, Trent Green was a quarterback. And so I remember just looking at Tony Gonzalez and I was like, you're way too damn big to be this fast. And, you, and you're really getting on my nerves right now. But I remember having that initial being in awe of that situation and that matchup being a, a, a really, really cool test right away. I don't, I don't think it was a problem, but I just remember that moment. But I also say, I would say, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson in San Diego was was the year when he was doing the teacup all, all year. That was that was tough. Yeah, yeah. He he was tough. He was tough to tackle. Uh, he's uh he's in it, he's I mean it was pretty cool watching him at the end, you know, obviously coming coming to the Jets and you know his legs yeah. kind of gave out at the end of the end of you know the second year, but the first year was um special. I want to ask you about one other guy you played with. Only got to, I feel like you only got one year of them because Curtis ended up retiring and he kind of felt like he retired. You know, he had that rushing title and then he got hurt. How, I mean, I don't know how much, you know, it's hard. I've seen camp going against your own guys, but how good was Curtis? And like, I feel like for such a soft-spoken dude that just like, 
every year it's just like 1200 yards eight touchdowns just like business like all the time yeah just like the the pillar of just who you would want a pillar of stability in your backfield right i mean not just not just as a consistent like you said 1200 yard rusher nine touchdowns or whatever the case may be and you you can count on that every year he's just somebody that you want to be around he galvanizes you i mean you can look at him and tell he's wasn't the biggest guy wasn't the strongest guy wasn't the fastest guy any of those things but just when you talk about stability and somebody that built their career off of just consistency and being the same guy every day that he that's that guy still love him to this day one of my one of my good friends and we ran into each other right before this pandemic happened we were at a uh, Tyler Perry studio opening in, in Atlanta and me and, and we saw each other and it was just like we lit up and we hugged, we hugged each other and uh, we had to exchange information again at that point but I mean that's my guy and then funny story my in Arizona was the year when he got when I, I think 2010 or 11 what's, was it 11 that he got drafted I mean went to the Hall of Fame retired, I think it's 2011 because he retired 2006 in the offseason so yeah I think it's 2011 we played we played the Hall of Fame game. So how crazy was that? I was there at his ceremony, at part of the ceremony. We're on the field. He's got the gold jacket on. And I was just so proud of him, man. So such such a good guy. Yeah, um, it's, been, uh, it's been cool. I got, I got to meet Curtis a couple of times. I and mean, just like at the time, it was like I think it was like 2000, 2001, too. And I was like a little kid. And it's like he was the Jets were really good. And he was like top of the, you know, there was no reason to, you know, be as uh, kind of, I guess, giving it and, you know, uh, nice as he was. Obviously, you're doing some stuff right now, um, and we're kind of talking off air about, um, you know, post-football career. If you want to kind of fill the people in, you probably do a better job than me of uh, talking about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> well, right now, I mean, I'm an actor, producer, writer, and also a musician out in L.A. Uh, I'm on a TV show right now on Oprah's network called uh, If Loving You Is Wrong. Uh, I produced the movie called Tragedy Girls a few years ago that came out, and it's doing really well and I'm, I'm actively right now pitching that show to all these different networks and streaming sites. I just had a meeting with a pitch meeting with Netflix Tuesday. So uh, next week is filled with like four pitch meetings. So I'm getting ready for that. And I'm also working on my solo album right now uh, as a musician. And I have a band called uh, Within that's, uh, I have a couple of singles out right now as well. So. Just after it, man, and, and, and living the dream and living my truth and, and just having fun with it. Oh, awesome. We have to get a, we have to get a show of you and Thomas Jones acting together on a, uh, on a TV <laughs> show. And uh, oh, I know he's doing some stuff as well, which is pretty cool. We kind of see you guys. And I feel like a lot of the guys, you know, especially in that 2008, 2009 run are all either, you know, doing their thing on TV and D-Wood and Bard and Rex and Sanchez. Yeah. Literally everybody so on so, so imagine all those personalities in one locker room. So there you go. Yeah, you got two people that are acting out in Hollywood, doing music. Like it's, it's really, it's pretty. Uh, I think it's pretty cool, and it's something that I know Jets fans kind of hold dear too, because obviously, and things will get better. Obviously, um, they always do. They come, they come and go. But obviously, we appreciate you coming on. Um, I think you know people are obviously gonna you know enjoy that and kind of revisit some of the some of the good stuff and uh, you know try to hold on to that. But you know, follow Carrie on, on Twitter, Instagram. I believe it's Carrie Twenty Five Roads. You know, make sure you guys are tuning into some of his stuff. You know, he's doing out. Um, you know, in the uh, the music and uh, you know, TV world. And um, you know, we'll uh, hopefully have you on next time we have you on. Hopefully, we can talk about more positive stuff than uh, one in five. Yeah, no question. I'm going to come out there soon, man. I'm going to come to a game and uh, 
and and yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. I'll definitely want to see you guys and say hello. So if you see me, come say hi. I am nice. I'm a nice guy. So come on over. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on.